before I begin, let me just kind of give some uh, a few announcements. After six months, this is the first time we've started our children's church. Our nursery's back open. Wednesday night, we're going to start our Awana ministry again. Uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks, Miss Bonnie will resume her children's sermons. So the thaw is starting. Uh, I know we've still got uh, several folks that are out. And uh, I would just encourage you that uh, to move forward in your, in your faith with the Lord. Today's message is designed to address that. Uh, last month when 9-11 hit several years ago, I, went, I always go back and I look at the videos. And I just try to remember what happened to our country on that devastating day. Uh, when the airplanes were used to attack our country. And one of the things that I distinctly remember, if you look at those videos, are the uncontrollable sobs and the tears and the shock of what was taking place. Our nation was frozen at a standstill. Surely this couldn't be happening. I mean, do you remember those times when we were all just sitting there going, what is going on? We're under attack. I can still remember one particular video where this woman is looking up and she's got that white powder all over her face and she is just crying her eyes out, devastating tears. That's the picture I want you to keep in your minds as we go through the message today. So turn your Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. Now I need to give you a little bit of background here because Lamentations isn't really a book that many use for devotional reading. It's not a book that you just turn to and say, oh, here's the will of the Lord. But it is the will of the Lord in context. So let me just give you a little bit of background and insight as to what's taking place in this book. The writer of this book's name is Jeremiah. His nickname was the Weeping Prophet. The book itself in English means loud cries. So they go together, same author, part one, part two, okay? In the, book of in the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah was preaching to the nation of Judah, and he had a very simple message, and he preached it for 40 years. He said, you guys are running away from the Lord, you're breaking his law, and you're replacing his law with your opinion. You're forgetting about God. And time and time again, he would say to them, repent, you're turning away from the Lord. And they didn't repent. And they just kept saying the same things many say today. Oh, we're a great nation. We're God's people. Nothing's ever going to happen to us. We're going to be just fine. Thank you very much. In fact, the nation of Israel had a problem historically when a prophet spoke the truth. They wanted to get rid of the prophet. And they got rid of many of them. Even the Lord Jesus Christ himself, they put him on a cross because they did not want God to be the Lord of their lives. They wanted to be the Lord of their lives. And they thought Jesus was wrong and they thought Jeremiah was wrong. Just like you see today, uh, many people feel that you and I are foolish for being here. I was reading a book this week by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones on the uh, book of Isaiah. And he said there are basically two kinds of people in the world outside of the church. The first are those that say there is no God. And the second are those that are constantly fighting against God, complaining, saying, if God is really existing, why did he let this happen? What, is, what does this matter? So you have those two mindsets. Either God doesn't exist at all, or if he does exist, why does he allow these bad things to happen? Well, both can't be true. If, if, if God exists, you know, if you're blaming him for something, you're saying that he does exist by blaming him for something. So when we come to the text of, of Scripture today, we've got to remember that Jeremiah is preaching to a people. 
He is saying, turn back, turn back, repent. Because if you don't, the covenant promises that God had made will come to pass. Now, we live in a different, quote, dispensation, unquote, than they did. But here's the simple thing you've got to remember about when we read the Old Testament. They are just like us. 2 Corinthians 10 says they serve as examples. In other words, they had a sinful nature just like we do. They had a rebellious heart against the Lord just like we do. And more than that, God doesn't change. We don't say there's an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. Same God. He is unchangeable. And he will deal with his children for a specific reason and for his purposes. So when we look at this, we're looking as an example. We better pay attention. For 40 years, God said to them, you're walking away from me. You're walking away from me. You're forgetting about me. And I love you so much, I'm not going to let that happen. Now, in individual lives, you'll see people that will choose to sin. Many, many of us have gone through a period of backsliding in our lives. And we just go through a season of walking away from the Lord, and God will discipline us. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, He disciplines those He loves. It might be a season where you, see, you feel estranged from the Lord, absent from the Lord, but God spanks you, spiritually speaking, so that you'll come back to Him. What you're seeing here is discipline on a nationwide scale. We call that wrath. God is pouring out his wrath on his children. He's saying, I have called you to be light in a dark world. And you don't want to do it. You want to be just like the nations that are around you. I'm calling you to be light. And if you're not going to be what I've called you to be, I'm not going to bless you like you want me to bless you. See, what they wanted is they wanted the blessing of God without obeying God. And that's what many of us want today. We want to go to heaven when we die. We want God to bless our families, our incomes, all of those kinds of things. But on our terms, not on God's terms. So when we come to the book of Lamentations, it's the book of loud cries. In Jeremiah 29, God allowed the nation of Babylon to come and bring wrath upon God's people. It is a terrible scene. Uh, to, to simplify it, they're lifted up from Jerusalem, they're taken to Babylon, and are going to spend 70 years in exile. Their whole world is turned upside down because they would not obey. They just kept ignoring the Lord. Looking for excuses to not serve the Lord, to disobey the Lord. Even through Jeremiah into a well, they did all kinds of terrible things to the prophet, the person speaking for, for the Lord. And it's what many of us do in our own hearts. We want God on our terms, but we don't want... God to discipline us or punish us. And yet the, the command stays the same. You and I are supposed to be the light of the world. The world's only going to know God through our lives and our message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the book of Lamentations is a book of tears. It's talking about this exile. It's talking about this punishment. It's talking about this wrath that's God bring, that God's bringing on them. And it is so sad. Have you ever heard tears? There are a couple of different kinds of tears. There are tears that babies cry asking for food or a toy in the store. And, you know, there are tears that are deep tears through romance. And then there are tears of pain. These are tears of pain. These are tears from the soul. And if you've ever heard somebody cry tears from the soul, you know what I'm speaking of. It says in Lamentations 1, 1 and 2, How deserted lies the city, once so full of people, speaking of Jerusalem. How like a widow she is, who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Listen to verse 2. Bitterly she weeps at night. Tears are upon her cheeks. You go from this incredible blessed place where the Lord took you into the promised land and gave you all these wonderful blessings from him. And then you walk away from him and he says, fine. You don't want me to be the Lord of your life? See what it's like. And he allows them to be taken into a pagan land. 
So judgment came upon the nation of Israel because they walked away from the Lord. And the whole book of Lamentations is tears. It's crying. It's, it's like I said, it's not something you want to read for devotional stuff, especially if you're down and out. The booklet is a largely a prayer crying out for God's mercy. There are five chapters in the book, and it's kind of like this. You go up a mountain, and then there's the top of the mountain, and then you come down a mountain. You ascend and you descend. And at the top of that mountain, the central theme of the whole book is what we're going to look at today. If you'll turn your Bibles again to Luke chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 19. I just want to read the context here before we go into our text. Here's the prophet Jeremiah saying, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. He's so sad in his soul. He's brokenhearted. He's devastated. You ever been brokenhearted and devastated? Uh, you're in the same place. Now watch what it says in verse 21. Here's the, the hinge that turns this door. You know, so far this has kind of been a gloomy message. Pastor Jeff, give us some good stuff. We didn't want to come in here and hear all this bad stuff. Here's what he says in verse 21. I got to become my own preacher, he says. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. This is the message today. I want us to have hope. For this country, for your personal situations, God has disciplined them. He's bringing wrath upon them. And yet this prophet who has been ignored for 40 years. I have preached to you, I've preached to you, and I've preached to you. And you've not listened. And I told you this was coming. And you still didn't listen. Parents, you ever said that to a child? I told you to listen. I told you. Deaf ears. You're hearing me, but you're not listening. Well, Jeremiah is saying to them, in the midst of all this turmoil, watch verse 21, this I call to my mind and therefore I have hope. In other words, I got to think about something other than what I'm seeing. I've got to think about something other than the circumstances that I'm walking in right now. This is killing me. My soul is downcast because I see all this devastation. So I got to think about something else that's going to give me hope. And that's when we see our text for the day. Verse 22. Here's what he's thinking about. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Now watch what he's doing. He's not thinking about the circumstances. He's thinking about the Lord in the circumstances. It's not that God had forgotten them. God had warned them many times. You know, many of us say, God, why did you do this? Remember, I had one time I had a couple that came in and they didn't go to this church. They were going through marital discord and they came and sat in my office and wanted to know why God was not doing anything in their lives, why God wasn't blessing them. Now, it didn't matter. I don't even think they were saved, but it didn't matter. They weren't doing anything biblically. It was God's fault. And when you get to that place, you're missing out who the Lord really is. God loves and he disciplines those he loves, just like a parent would do with a child. And yet we ignore, we ignore, we ignore, we ignore until finally God says, okay, I got to wake you up and get your attention. That's what he's doing here. And the prophet Jeremiah is sad for others because he knows what the Lord's doing. So he has to say something to himself. Here's point number one in your outline if you're following along. If you don't know where that is, look inside your bulletin. There's an outline provided for you. Here's what you and I have to remember when our soul is downcast within us. The Lord is not finished. Look what it says in verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. 
The word Lord there is the word Jehovah. It means Lord over all, every circumstance, every situation, everything that we walk through, none of it escapes the eyesight of God. They're saying, Lord, why are you allowing this wrath to come upon us? We're more righteous than the Babylonians. And God says, no, you don't get it. I'm in charge, not you. Sometimes I'll say to my kids, I'm the dad, you're the child. Let's just get that straight. Okay, let's start there. You don't tell me what to do. I tell you what to do. I'm glad none of them were here today. My, my wife and children are back in the nursery. The rest of them live in other cities. So the Lord means the ones in control, the Lord of all. But I want you to see, and, and, and you'll underline these two words in your text, because of the Lord's great love. You ever give a spanking to a child and said to him, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you? Or you've heard of that kind of thing. Well, if you really loved me, you wouldn't spank me. That's not how this works. Because I love you, I'm spanking you. This is one of the most beautiful words in the Hebrew language. Great love in Hebrew is one word. It's hesed. I had an Old Testament professor at seminary who had this as a license plate on the front of his car. Hesed. It caused everybody to look at him funny. Because nobody knows Hebrew. I didn't even know what it meant until he told me. Hesed means God's perfect love. Can you imagine being married to a perfect person? Some of you say, I am. Go ahead, that's right. Perfect love means you do everything right, even when it's not understood. God does everything right, even when it's not understood. Has said, he does what's best for us. But sometimes he just doesn't brag about it. He doesn't have to explain to us what he's doing because he's the Lord of all and we aren't. So God is doing something for our benefit we may not like it, but it's for the best thing for us. Because God's ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. He's wiser, smarter, more powerful, and more loving than we are. Has said means God's perfect in his character. He always, always, always does the right thing, even when we don't understand it. But the last key word in this phrase is the word consumed. The Lord is not finished. He's not consumed us. He hasn't wiped us. He hasn't wiped them out completely. And when he disciplines us, he doesn't wipe us out completely. Aren't you glad that God is patient? It's his kindness. It's his patience that leads us to repentance. We're here today. We can probably all tell some stories about how God spanked us in the past, but he didn't consume us. God is so loving. He is so patient. Now you're here today. Bless your name. Bless the Lord through your attendance today. There are a lot of folks that just kind of walked away from the Lord, just like the children of Israel a long time ago. And you're thinking, uh-oh, the lightning's coming, baby. God's going to strike them and say, wake up, and he may. But he's only going to do it if it's, if it's in his perfect time in a loving way. Think about this for a second. In Genesis chapter 18, Abraham is going to the Lord and he's praying and he says, God, are you really going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? I know they're wicked, but are you going to kill the righteous with the wicked? And God says to Abraham, if I find, or Abraham says to the Lord, if you find 50 righteous people, you're going to destroy it. He says, no, I'm not going to kill it for 50. I'm not going to destroy it for 50. I'm not going to consume it or finish it off if I find 50 righteous people. And Abraham says, 45, 40, 30, 20. Would you destroy the city for 10 righteous people? And the Lord said, if I find 10 righteous people, I won't destroy it. I won't consume it. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? He couldn't find 10 righteous people. He could not find 10 righteous people. 
Did not Jesus say when he returns, will there be faith on the earth? Is anybody going to be left that takes God at his word? Are we going to ignore him just like the children of Israel did? I got a whole lot to do in this lifetime, Pastor Jeff. I got a whole lot to achieve, a whole lot to accomplish. I'm going to put God on the back burner until I need him. And when this discipline or whatever you're talking about comes, then I'll run to him. I love what the Bible says in Hebrews 5. Jesus prayed with loud cries. Loud cry. Jesus was perfect. And when he prayed with loud cries, I think it's a little different than this. I kind of look at that as you can either have loud cries when you're going through discipline or you can have your loud cries in your prayer time. When's the last time you cried for somebody that's hurting? God is so patient. Here are the Assyrians in Jonah chapter 3. A wicked people. God said, I've had enough with you people. In 40 days, I'm going to wipe you out. Jonah, go tell them. I don't know if I want to tell them. God, you don't understand. Those are wicked people. They're terrible people. They'll probably kill me and wipe me out. So he goes the other direction. God sends a whale 747 to kind of send him back in the direction that he's supposed to go in. And he begins to preach to the Assyrians. Wicked, vile people whom God had been very patient with. But God's patience had reached its course. He said, 40 days and you will be no more. You will be finished. Jonah starts to preach. What happens? They repent. And God graciously, in his kind, he, he restores them. So much so that Jonah got mad about it. You ever get mad when somebody that's lived a pretty sinful life gets saved? Or somebody that lives a sinful life, God does something for them. And not for you and you've served the Lord. You got that big brother mentality with the prodigal son thing going on there. God, you should be blessing me, not them. God says, no, you don't understand. They found the Lord. Our nation is at a crossroads. So goes the church. So goes our nation. I hear so much fear about COVID. I hear so much fear about the election coming up. I hear just panic in some people's voices. It hasn't changed my opinion about the Lord. The Lord is the Lord. He's still in control. He's still got great love. And until he says you're finished, we're not finished. But the preachers have to preach and the people have to respond. Point number two. The Lord's mercies never fail. Look what it says in verse 22 and 23. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Now let me just define compassions or mercy. Same word in, in the Bible. It means to have sympathy combined with action. Now there's, there's a lot of people that you feel sorry for. You ever driving down the road and you see somebody on the side of the road and, oh, poor baby has a flat tire. You know, sometimes you'll help. Be wise in how you do that. Sometimes I've helped, sometimes I've not helped. But, but a great example is, the, is the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember there was a person that was robbed, beaten, left for half dead. The priest come by, comes by and doesn't know, oh, I feel sorry for you. Levite comes by, oh, I feel sorry for you. It's the Samaritan, the one you would least expect, came by, felt sorry for him, and did something about it. Cost him time, cost him money. They cared for him. That's, that's compassion. God meets your needs with action. Because he cares for you. So Jeremiah is saying in the midst of this mess that's going on, all this stuff that's taking place, he's saying, 
Even in the midst of this wrath, even in the midst of this terrible judgment that's come upon us, God hasn't changed. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. You know how you can get caught up in a trap here? Have you ever said, God has let me down. I have prayed and I have prayed and I have prayed about this and I've prayed about this. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. God has forgotten me. God has failed me. Spirit's a mature person can get past that. We don't know his reasons and he doesn't have to explain them to us. But the just shall live by faith. He's not finished yet. And he's never failed before and he's not going to fail now. Why? Because of his said, his great love for us. I love what Spurgeon says. If every day brings its trouble, every day also brings its mercy. And the cool thing about this is God brings this kind of mercy or compassion there new every morning. Every day you wake up, my wife and I will, will walk down the street sometimes, depending on the weather. And if you look up there, you look at that beautiful sun coming up and you look at the sky and you're like, man, it's a new morning. It's a beautiful day. We got a fresh start today. New every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Every day you should wake up and say, God, you are faithful. Every day you have your mercies for us. You know what we need before we ask. Thank you for your great love for us. One of my favorite